People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. Hello, and welcome to Bizarre Tales. Welcome one and all. Yeah, welcome back. So, I've got uh, something I've been looking looking at doing for a few few months now. Um, and obviously, with the new setup and the way we run the podcast now, it's yeah. something that we can get away with, I would say, rather than something that previously wasn't really acceptable on, on the older style of podcast. So, um anyone who's interested in the supernatural and those type of stories I would say has heard of creepy pastors oh yeah I think that's pretty common um you know I think you were even saying that your kids know about creepy pastors so um I actually heard one must have been maybe a year or two ago and it's one of those ones that sort of stuck with me for ages and I thought I would try and find it again and read it out. It made such an impression on you. It did, yeah. It was um, it was a bit of a weird one. So it's set in Disneyland, which is you know I've got three kids and pretty much know every Disney movie that's ever been. You can ask any question on Disney. I'm yeah, I know you're not a Disney fan, but um, you know I'm I'm obsessed with Disney. I was when I was about six. Nice, yeah, yeah. I've sort of not really grown up, to be fair, but well, I thought I'd do this one because it's a bit weird. Go on, then. Let's see. So, Come on. Yeah. Keep us in suspense. Keep right? you in suspense. So, are you ready? Yep. Absolutely. Born ready. I am writing this down to A. Help me process what happened and B. Create some sort of written record. I am a Disneyland employee and have been for five years. I started by running a concession stand, moved to ride operator and then into resort operations. All the while I was pursuing a first degree in psychology with the intentions to someday become a psychiatrist. After I graduated, I continued working at Disneyland while I applied to grad school. To my surprise, Disney offered me a job, something that would allow me to work in my field and stay in the park. The job title, Mental Health Assistant. I've been in this role for exactly a week. First week, Worst week, last week? I haven't been fired yet, but let's just say I'm expecting a call. Now let me back it up a bit. Deaths in Disneyland are rarely reported, courtesy of the sophisticated PR team of a company worth $168 billion. Suicides anywhere are also rarely reported on and that shouldn't surprise anyone. So what do you think happens when a suicide happens inside a Disney park? 
well it doesn't happen. Not to the outside world anyway. Families of victims, innocent bystanders or anyone else affected by suicides inside the park generally go away with generous cash offers and thick non-disclosure agreements. A disturbing online community has developed over the past year, a group that encourages its members to kill themselves in a Disneyland park. It's called the Disneyland Suicide Pact, or DSP for short. Their stated purpose is to serve as a metaphor to illuminate the stark contrast between the happiest place on earth and the utter horror and darkness of suicide. A metaphor that people who are always happy on the outside can be dead on the inside. For some, a callback to when they were last happy. I think their actual purpose is to terrorise innocent people, to forever pervert happy childhood memories for the handful of people who happen to see the aftermath of a suicide before the staff clean up. The suicides have become more frequent in the last months, leading to Disney to create the mental health assistant role. They told me I was the ideal candidate, someone young and hip enough to speak the internet language of the DSP community, someone well versed in the park itself and someone with a psychology background, however meager that may be. In the two weeks preceding my job, four suicides happened in the park. Kevin Goodwin took a fistful of pills, then got on the Star Tours ride and died in the middle of it. Clifton Hedges pretended to fasten his seatbelt on the Guardians of the Galaxy Tower ride and managed to sneak off the elevator near the top and jumped 200 feet down the elevator shaft dying instantly upon hitting the top of the ascending elevator cabin. Patrick, Patrick Brayhall climbed off the Pirates of the Caribbean boat and hid in the Pirates lair scene. He slit his throat and bled out and wasn't found until the next morning. And Jenny Davies scored an overnight stay in the highly coveted Princess Castle only to jump to her death in the middle of the night. And I bet you heard of none of these. They're not in the news. They're not on the list of incidents at the Disneyland Park Wikipedia page. They're not on YouTube. They're nowhere. That is the power of Disney's PR at work. I'd like to think Disney wants the trend to stop out of the goodness of their own hearts. But let's be real, it's all about the bottom line. If the witnessing patrons or victims of the family talk too much, it can have a long-lasting effect on park visits. A $168 billion company can keep a lot of people quiet. But how many? In my first couple of days on the job, I generated a fake online persona for Dave Carrot, a name that I thought of while driving past the Wendy's, founded by Dave Thomas. And then looking down at my coffee cup, lid imprinted with carrot, creating accounts on Facebook and a few others. Once it was believable enough, I applied for the Disneyland Suicide Pact online community, appropriately named the Mouseketeers. 
I was accepted a day later. Just to be clear, you don't have to make the suicide pact in order to join the Mouseketeers. Anyone can join after a light vetting. Once you're ready to join the pact, you undergo a heavy vetting, something that Dave Carrot probably wouldn't pass, and are awarded a Mickey Mouse badge that accompanies your username on the site. After being accepted, I began clicking on all the usernames with the Mickey Mouse badge, trying to determine who the next victim may be. I quickly flagged four users as short-term risks and those that talk seriously about suicide in the park and appear to be planning a trip, but one stood out above the rest. Her name was Beauty or Beast. Her profile picture showed a gentle girl with long blonde hair, probably 16 or 17 years old. She was very forthcoming about her life, detailing her reasons for suicide and why Disneyland is the ultimate venue. She mentioned the nostalgia of the haunted mansion on three different occasions. I saw her and others talk extensively about Death Day a couple of weeks earlier. Upon a bit more investigation, I discovered that Death Day referred to December the 15th, the day Walt Disney died. December the 15th was only a few days away. Beauty or Beast mentioned that her family was planning a trip to California during the week of December 15th, and that she may in fact be in the park on Death Day. Someone suggested that perhaps the stars have aligned for her. I private messaged asking her what her plans were, saying that I might also be in the park for death day. She messaged back quickly and said she wasn't sure, that she didn't want to ruin the day for her family. My heart broke. I asked if she'd do it in the haunted mansion and she said she didn't know. Of course she didn't know. She didn't know that and so much more. She told me her plan was to push for her family to go into the park on December 14th. Then she'd say she's meeting a friend and ditch her family just before the park closed. Really, she'd hide in the park overnight. Something that is much easier than people think. Then kill herself right before park opening on death day. I knew that the online community was a toxic place for her that if I could talk to her in person, I could help her. I told her to message me whenever, when she knew her plans, because I might be there too. She told me she would, and she told me her name was Shay Kane. On the morning of December the 14th, I messaged Shay to see what time she was getting to the park. She didn't respond. She had changed her profile picture to a photo of Walt Disney with blacked out eyes. I spent most of the day standing in security control room watching the turnstile feedback cameras. It's common for at-risk kids to change their appearance shortly before committing suicide, especially girls. She must have slipped through unnoticed because I never saw her come in. I messaged her a few more times telling her I was in town and that we should meet up, or even meet in the park somewhere. She never responded. Before I went home that night, I showed Shay's picture to the overnight security staff and let them know to keep an eye out. I hardly slept that night. 
The next morning I headed to the park at 7am, two hours before opening. I gave the printouts of Shay's pictures to the morning security team and had then walked to the haunted mansion. Disney is very thorough in their security camera coverage of areas where patrons are, but not so much behind the scene. Disney speak for employee areas only. That meant that I had to physically inspect every room of the haunted mansion. After a fruitless hour of walking through the eerily empty ride, I continued to search through the rest of New Orleans Square and then into Frontier. Nothing. About 20 minutes before park opened, I got a a call from security staff. They saw a female, similar to the picture I gave them, walking around the backside of the haunted mansion. I rushed back to the ride, I barged into the side employee entrance and immediately started calling Shay's name. This was only a few minutes before park opening, so the ride was now running, music and sound effects and all. I moved through the haunted graveyard, the seance scene, the beheaded groom scene, all while yelling Shay at the top of my lungs. I felt defeated, there were a million places she could have been hiding. Finally, I made it into the dining room scene. The ride moves along the mezzanine level of a two-story dining room. The scene features a large, elegant dining table with gold place settings, all caked in cobwebs and dust. There's a tall fireplace, floral wall mouldings, high-back chairs and ornamental windows, holograms of ghosts dancing around the room. Finally, I found her. She was standing on the mezzanine level, but over the railing, about 15 feet from the tracks. She was holding a rope in her hands, and her hair was cut short. Shay! I climbed the railway and shimmied across the decorative mezzanine. I was worried the whole thing would collapse since it was built for show and not to actually support people. She looked up at me and said, crying, Who are you? I'm rich, I said. What are you doing here? Can we talk? She held the rope up for me to see. Her eyes followed it to where it was tied around the fire razor behind us. I sat down next to her. Tell me what's going on, I said. We sat in silence for about two minutes, and I watched the ride cars roll by. Grim, grinning ghosts come out to socialise, playing in the background. They hadn't let people onto the ride yet which was a good thing. Eventually she warmed up to me and began talking. She opened up about everything going on at school, at home, in her head, and it became clear that she didn't want to kill herself. She had thought about it a lot, but when she became part of the Disneyland Suicide Pact community and heard all about Death Day, which happened to coincide with her planned family trip, she felt it was her time. After about 20 minutes of talking, she paused and looked down. There's something else, she said. You can tell me anything. I'm not the only one. The only one what? Death Day. I'm not the only one that planned to kill myself on Death Day. A pit in my stomach grew. The room began spinning around me. I started thinking about my research into all those on the forums that had talked about Death Day and how Shay was the only one that was for sure going to be in park on the day. Who else? 
oh God, she said, and brought her hands up to her face. Rich, I was supposed to be a distraction. A distraction from what? My mind was racing at a thousand miles an hour. She began sobbing. It's a small world. Shit. I stood up, not knowing if she was making it up to get me away, or if she was truly a distraction. Come with me, I said. I'm fine, you go, she said. I pursed my lips, then buzzed medical on my walkie-talkie. I told them Shay's location inside the haunted mansion. They were already waiting out back. I also told them to send a team to It's a Small World. We might have a situation there. I climbed over the railings and ran through the ride to the front entrance where hordes of antsy people were waiting for the ride to open. I ran past them setting off a chain of whispers amongst the crowd. What's he doing? Who is this guy? Did you see his face? I called ride operations and told them to close It's a Small World that we might have a potential suicide attempt. Potentially multiple. They said that they hadn't opened yet due to the mechanical issue, but they would keep it closed until the situation had been cleared. The park had only been open for a few minutes and it was already crawling with people. I began running across the park when I got a call. Small World didn't get my shutdown order in time. The ride opened a few minutes after our call. Shit, what's happened? You better head over there. I continued running and was soon joined by medical teams in yellow jackets, also running towards the ride. One of the park ambulances drove by, bewildered guests jumping out of the way. As I got closer to the entrance of the ride, the real horror began. People, men, women, children, were crying, many hysterically. One woman stumbled out of It's a Small World's emergency exit and threw up violently into the hedges. I heard screams from inside. I stopped one of the medical staffers running out of the emergency exit. What the hell? It's bad. It, it's really bad. I pulled my employee badge out of my shirt so it was visible. Park guests in the line began stopping me. Sir, do you know what's happening? I ignored everyone, hopping the fence and beelining for the emergency exit near the entrance. People were still climbing out of boats, following the emergency lighting to the exit, and one of the ride operators came on the loudspeaker. Please, calmly exit the boats where safe, and follow the arrows to the nearest emergency exit. Ride operators will assist those who need help. Parents, please shield your children's eyes through the Scandinavian exhibit. Parents carrying crying children fled past me among the emergency path. Keep your eyes closed, sweetheart. We're almost there. What were those people? Why was everybody scrambling like that? Are those people hurt? The pit in my stomach grew as I moved through the North Pole exhibit into the Scandinavian room. There I began to smell it. The overwhelming stench of vomit. I started to notice vomit tra tracked through the smeared footprints along the walkway. For a moment the music kicked back on and the ride began to move again. Although it appeared that everybody had been successfully evacuated, the music startled everyone. It's a world of wonder, a world of tears, it's a world of hope and a world of fears. I turned the corner and immediately felt my stomach turn violently. 
About 10 bodies dangled from the ceiling spread throughout the exhibit. Beneath the bodies, all with bulging eyeballs and kinked necks, the model Scandinavian children swung back and forth in their white snowsuits. There's so much that we share, it's time we're aware. The medical staff scrambled around, trying desperately to reach the bodies gently swinging about 10 feet off the ground. We have to get to the ceiling. Get to the ceiling. Go. I couldn't bear the sight any longer. The pressure in my face intensified until the tears began streaming down my face. Hot tears. Tears of death. Of loss. Of failure. Tears of the hundreds of friends and family members that would be impacted by these suicides. I climbed back through the emergency exit through the North Pole exhibit and into the sunlight. I caught a whiff of vomit and felt the churning in my stomach pick up again. I ducked behind the hedges and vomited. Are you okay sir? One of the guests waiting in line asked. I looked at him. Go and find another ride. I radioed the medical office asking if they knew if Shade made it out of the haunted mansion safely. I began walking in that direction while I waited to get an answer. Eventually they came back. Shay appears to have left. I was shocked, like they let her go. No, she made it back to the medical office and slipped out before she was evaluated. I began running to the medical office near the front of the park. The closer I got to the front gates, the more chaotic it got. Crowds of families were running for the exits. The customer service lines were packed 50 people back. Guests demanding refunds, I imagined. Disney is great at covering up incidents in isolation. But when 10 people commit suicides on one of the busiest rides at opening time, that's hard to recover from. The medical office was nearly empty since the suicide victims had all been taken by ambulance to various hospitals in the Anaheim area. I took a deep breath and looked around, so eerily empty, so void of life. I walked out to the back door to the medical office and looked around. I wondered if the pandemonium had spread to the entire park or only to those who had seen the ambulances and medical staff running around and those that saw the direct aftermath of the suicides of course. I walked along the service road behind Disney City Hall looking through the fence into thick bush that lay just beyond the park boundaries. There stood Shay. She stood about 20 feet behind the fence amongst the trees and bushes she saw me and took a step forwards. I opened my mouth to speak and then realised I had no idea what to say. She smiled, turned around and disappeared into the brush. Out of everything I saw that day, Shay's smile is what I think of most often. Was it one of gratitude, a smile that said you saved my life? Or was it sinister, a smile that said I played you for a fool? She told me her job was to serve as a distraction, whether she was planning on killing herself that day or not. She definitely succeeded. Fucking good, isn't it? Mm. I was well impressed when I heard that. It's 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 bad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, like, and I find like with creepy pastas, 
some of them are so blatantly yeah. fake that you just go, well, that's a load of crap. That could happen. Could be real. Yeah, yeah do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, definitely it could happen. Mm. I mean... I didn't think it would take 20 minutes to read. But, but the other thing, I mean, about these amusement parks, I mean, people getting maimed and mm. injured, and well, same thing, and killed all the time in them. So, I mean, it could just be... Yeah. They, they have ways of covering shit up, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, but... Yeah, that's pretty... Plays with you, doesn't yeah. it? It plays with your head. It's not it's good, like, is it? It's, no. Um, I mean, it's well done, isn't it? I mean, if... It's a good story, yeah. yeah. So a lot of these people who go on there and do the creepy pastas, they do right, and then they, you know, they they make it bigger and they make it into something, don't they? So well, like Slender Man and things like that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's like a little place where people go and post ideas and see yeah. what see what sticks and what people are interested in. And then they go and make I don't know, like a, a novel or whatever, or a you know, film script, whatever. So yeah, yeah it's um. Yeah, like I say, it's creepy pasta, but it 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 could re- it could really happen. It could yeah. really happen, yeah. And that's why I liked it. Yeah. So I've got a question for all you avid listeners. While I get whacked in the face by a microphone, um, what did you think of that? Because obviously, you know, we're what are we on now? Episode seven or eight, something like that. Yeah, so um, so we're we're on a new style of podcast. I don't think you've ever covered creepy pastas on um, Realm of the Supernatural or anything prior to this, and I thought I wanted to try something different. What do you guys think of it? Because if you, it, well, I want to get a bit of response because I love creepy pastas. I love these type of stories, um, and I would love to read more of them. Mm. But if it's not for the general, if you know, if you listeners think. Yeah, it's good, but that's not what I come here for. Then let us know, and I won't do any more. Well, let us know what you want, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. if you do like it and you think, do you know what, these are really good and we want to hear some more, I would be more than happy to read more creepy pastas yeah. out, maybe get a couple out every now and again. That's the way I look at it. It's like, yeah, all right, we do this because we've had experiences ourselves and you know, we're into this yeah. weird stuff, but you know, it's as much for you guys listening as it is for us definitely so if there's something you want to wear I always say this but if there's something you want to wear as do um, you know cover then then let us know send it to us if there's a you know, particular story that you want to wear yeah. great you know what I mean um, obviously we've got a guest coming on um, yeah at some point so again you know if you want to come on the show or you want to write your story down and send it to us by yeah, all means it. do it do it do it it's, yeah. Um, yeah it's fantastic so Obviously, send it to supernaturalpod at gmail.com. That's the email. Yeah, that's the email. Or get us on Facebook. I see a lot of people joining on there and that. Uh, a lot of people joining on uh, Patreon and that as well. So thank you very much if you're one of those people. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we can't thank you enough for that. Obviously, we've just set up another GoFundMe. It, well, it's going into the tip jar. It's the same GoFundMe. Um, but that's for new microphones. Um, yeah. Obviously... Not all the time, but we get issues with these microphones where, you know, one episode will both be sort of really good, uh, and then another episode it'll be like one of us is like, like lower than the other one in the in the mix. It's just yeah. weird. Um, so we are looking at getting some decent pod uh, podcast mics. Um, so if you can help us out with that, there is a 
go for me tip jar. Obviously, there's PayPal, and if they want to do it that way, it's up to Tony. Yeah, they, to someone you. said that earlier, didn't yeah, they? Someone, the uh, yeah, Sarah Hall did actually um, donate to us that way. So thank you very much, Sarah. It's, yeah, that's uh, amazing. Much appreciated. Thank so, you. But if you know, if you want to do that, then that's the way to do it, really. Mm. Or you know. I suppose you could join Patreon and we'll put that money towards it, obviously. But yeah, you know, if you if you wanted to make a donation as such rather than join a Patreon, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so getting away from that um, horrible story of yours. Yeah. Um, this is just a quick story. I thought yeah. I'd just chuck on chuck on the end of this episode. We are going to do a couple more in depth episodes coming up. We've got like a a really intense Bigfoot story and mm. another sort of strange death story coming up um so yeah they seem to be really popular these weird yeah yeah weird death well, stories that you find out they're of gonna be quite in depth and i think um you know long episodes maybe ish you know yeah. P- people have asked us to do people like long episodes but they also some people have asked us to do smaller episodes because a lot of people listen when they're commuting and things like that so maybe um just a quick thought if you're saying that i have not noticed that but I mean that that story was a twenty minute story. I mm. mean, if you guys, if that sort of thing, especially commuting, if you've got a yeah, twenty yeah. minute commute to work, would you want us to do a quick creepy story for you for your twenty minute drive yeah. to work? We can put that. Up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah if you anyway, want, yeah, if you want a small <laughs> small episode every now and again, then yeah, yeah let we'll us do know. That. Sorry, I'm biting in. What's your story, Lee? What you got for us? Well, this is about. Do you know what Nordic aliens are? Nordic aliens, yeah. as in, no, I haven't got a clue. Right, so Nordic aliens are basically aliens that look like Scandinavian people, okay, so they're tall, blue-eyed, blonde hair. Essentially, human beings in in the classic silver suits and all that shit. But um, 1971, I bet you didn't know that Nordic aliens landed on a Spanish military base. No. No. Believe it or not. A lot of people didn't. But at least 60 people saw this event. All right. So it's well documented. And it happened at the Spanish military base of Penny. And it consisted of the, at the time, the 4th Air Surveillance Squadron. All right. They were known as the EVA-4 for short. Okay. Um, All right. So these were obviously Air Force and uh, part of the Spanish Ministry of Defence. Obviously, being a radar base with um, aircraft, it did have radar, and that was used in this case. Uh, and the base itself was integrated into the um, NATO uh, defence system as well. So there's lots of little parts in this where it's recorded. I know it's not such a big thing now, because obviously we were talking about this earlier, where this is sort of public domain now, you know, a lot of militaries, I know the French, the Belgians, the Brazilians, the Americans now, and the MOD to some ex- extent in the UK sort of say there's UFOs. Um, and then they sent me a big a big file of um, UFO sightings that have been made by military personnel. Um, the MOD actually sent me that. And they actually, it was really kind of them, to be fair, they actually listed things and they actually um, cross-referenced the the sightings with shapes of craft so it was really easy for me to look for particular shapes of craft because at the time i was looking for if anyone had seen the the same shape craft that i'd seen and so yeah they i mean they went out of the way and that the pit what the particular person i was speaking at the mod they went out of the way to sort of do that for me and it, it was it was good so this, they don't necessarily what what their line is in the uk is um no defense significance okay so unless they do something, i.e. 
uh, get in the way of an aircraft, you know, come into sort of like dangerous territory in, in that sense, or attack, we're not going to waste time on them, okay? So that's and the signature is obviously different to to for these than it is in aircraft. So they know what they know what they're looking at. So they're not going to scramble jets for something like this. Um, and, and again, like in the UK, there was like a a ten minute, fifteen minute video from a police station of in Skegness filming a UFO. Um, I think the police put the helicopter up in the end, but there's no jet scramble or anything like that. And there's obviously air bases all around there, but they know the signature of these things and they tend to leave them alone. Um, so, obviously, like I say, this story is, you know, it's interesting in the fact that when this all happened, these things were covered up. I mean, we still don't get stories about aliens on bare bases, but we still, we get these stories now where it's a bit more open, UFOs are here, we don't know what they're doing, we don't know what they want. Uh, to my opinion, it's sinister. Um, I agree with Stephen Hawkins on that. Anyway, so anyway. On the evening of March 25th, 1971, a soldier named Leandro saw uh, I did that unidentified flying object in the sky, <laughs> which suddenly flashed so brightly that Leandro almost went blind. Almost, being up to earlier. He screamed, and other soldiers came running to his rescue. Among them was a guy called Jesus, who later told... The whole story to the Spanish UFOologist, UFOlogist, Antonio Ribery. Um and obviously this this story was later published in a, in a 1972 in a, in a UFO magazine. Okay, so according to Azus, Leandro was sitting on the ground, crouching in fear and covering his eyes with his hands, obviously because he'd been blinded. He was clearly in nervous shock. The military dogs on the base were barking loudly and were clearly restless at something, yeah? Which had never been seen before. These military dogs are taught not to react to... Obviously, they're on an airbase. They're not going to react to an aircraft, for example. Mm. Um, but these clearly were concerned about the yeah. situation. So he knew by looking at that, something's not right. You know that from your own pet, you know? Yeah. When you see your pet acting a bit weird... Um, you know, you know something's going on. So anyway, Jesus and another, sorry, Jesus and another, whatever, uh, soldier claimed, uh, calmed, sorry, Leandro down, okay? But he still wouldn't remove his hands from his eyes because he said his eyes were so, you know, stinging, basically. They, they, they When they did pry his hands away, they could see that his eyes were clearly red, visibly um, injured, and again, it was almost as if he'd been there some sort of strong irritant or an acid, that kind of thing. But he wasn't. He was just in the middle of the airfield. So um, they kind of believed him that something was going on. All right. So all the soldiers there saw this uh, illuminated object in the sky. Yeah. The UFO hovered right over them. Right. And it came to the pace where there's a kind of a bigger antenna there. Uh, and it sort of hovered over that, whether it was checking it out, whatever. Hmm. After hanging there a little while, the object moved away at high speed. Azus went over to the dog kennels to calm down the dogs, and they continued to bark. So, at some point, he decided that it might be best just to let them out, because there was really getting... There was in these cages, and there was getting to a point where there was getting stressed, because they couldn't go anywhere. They want to... You know, like when a dog wants to get away from something, and you corner it, you, don't, you corner it, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So 
at the time he was thinking, well, this ain't going to work. You know, these dogs are getting, they can't go anywhere. They're, they're getting stressed because, of the, the, you know. So he watched one dog by the name of uh, Navik. Uh, and this, this dog was well known to him. And, he, you know, he knew its capabilities. He knew what the dog was like, the temperament of the dog, if you like. And it was trying to burrow under this to get out. I mean, it's concrete pen, but it was trying to burrow for the concrete to get out. And he knew then that this was just not right. So he let the dogs out. And, of course, these dogs just ran straight towards the office buildings, which is about 300 metres away from the pen itself, and into the barracks, and just in, anywhere they could get into the buildings, they went. Uh, and, again, you know, that's odd. Mm. Yeah, it is. Okay. This is where it gets a bit weird, or weirder, should we say. So, after a little bit of time... He's, the, the, the soldiers are regrouped, and at some point they heard footsteps coming towards them. And again, remember, it's dark. You know, not an airbase. There is lights around, but, you know, in the distance, it's quite dark. And what they saw was humanoid shapes coming out of the darkness towards them. These shapes were roughly about two meters tall, Okay. When a few seconds of fear passed, the guys remembered that they were primarily, yeah, military men, and so ordered the strangers to stop. Halt, who goes there? But obviously in Spanish. These beings ignored these words, and so another warning was issued, but still the beings continued towards them. It was then when the soldiers began to shoot. But the bullets did not seem to cause any damage to the humanoids. In the flash of light from the shots, Jesus could make out the strangers were wearing some sort of tight uniform and clearly wearing a belt. As I got closer, he could see a symbol of an inverted triangle on the belt. It was clear that the bullets had made no damage or long-lasting damage, at least, to these creatures. And the creatures didn't seem to be phased by the bullets, and nor didn't really seem to be um, aggressive towards these guys, even though they'd opened fire on them. They didn't, you know, rush towards them or anything like that. They just calmly walked towards them. Um, close enough, you know, like, say, for this guy to see that there was a, an inverted triangle on the belt there. Um This, the the craft itself was obviously picked up on radar and other soldiers were coming to the, uh, to see what was going on. The craft had actually landed inside the airbase. Um, according to Azus, he said the strangers had an angelic appearance, very pale, very thin, tall, with long hair. And again, like I say, the, the description of these beings would be Nordic aliens because they look like people from Scandinavia. And they've been visiting the Earth for a very long time. The beings just checked out the soldiers before turning around and heading back to the craft. Uh, as you can imagine, the, the soldiers from the base were out at this time. They checked the area and they couldn't find anything. Uh, apart from, like I said, the dogs and things like that go in there AWOL. They checked out Leandro... And he went to the doctors, obviously, and they looked at you know, his eyes and things like that. They could see there was damage there. But eventually, over time, this did um, heal itself. The dog 
Narvak that it was on the verge of nervous and physical exhaustion when it was uh, found. Uh, for a long time after, it wouldn't drink, it wouldn't eat. It was clearly, you know, upset. This incident was reported to the superiors. All right, they wanted to know what had happened. So the three guys um, told the superiors, and of course, of course none of their accounts differed. They all was the same. Some other soldiers who didn't see any of this accused the guys of being drunk on duty. Yeah, it's an easy, it's a, yeah, sense, it's an yeah. easy out. All right. Um, as you can imagine, that their reputation on the base wasn't. There was getting a lot of ridicule. Okay, and at, at some point they decided amongst themselves that they was probably going to drop it, even though it was. You know, you can imagine. I mean, you just you've seen this thing. These beings have walked towards you. You've seen them, but you but again the ridicule and all the rest of it, and for the careers and the sake of the careers, they decided to drop it. But unfortunately for them, a few nights later on the twenty seventh of March, the UFO again appeared over the base. Uh, this time, people, lots of people were notified, and again, like I say, there was up to about sixty people who saw this ufo now this ufo the second time round was actually smaller the radar um blip if you like was actually smaller than the first one so they're not sure it was exactly the same craft similar shape it, you know, traditional ufo shape um classic source if you like but it was smaller than the first one uh, on the, the night of the march the 29th 1971 another ufo was again seen over the radar of Penny Base. Um, this time, two jets that had been on standby, basically ready in case it came back, were were scrambled. Uh, they approached the UFO, and as you can imagine, it flew off at a staggering rate of speed. Now, none of this has gone down in official report shall we say there was a lot of um people who got involved in this case um on the outside because these guys did go and tell and a few of the other witnesses actually told people so it got around but officially it's not recognized um the three guys that initially saw the first thing were taken by some they said american all right american troops uh, or officers i don't exactly know they didn't exactly know what they were but they came to the base um and asked them what they'd seen told them it was advisable that they didn't repeat what they'd seen and one of the guys remembers them being taken outside which was strange but they was asked to be taken outside and st actually stand against this real you know it was a white painted wall this is the middle of the day um sun's beaming down this wall is as you can imagine it's bright and they was asked to stand against this wall and it seemed to them like their photo was taken all right mm. um this is 1971 so my mind obviously immediately goes to Men in Black, you know the film where they, oh yeah, yeah, where they shine a the thing. But um, again, 
you know, the the guys themselves could obviously what I've told you that they've they've remembered this. I don't think it was like a you know a brainwashing thing like no. you see our men in back, but they was taken against this white wall, and again they couldn't see. It was bright daylight, the walls bright white, and yet there was this guy flashed a camera at them. Why? I don't know, but they don't know. But again, my mind goes to fucking men in black. Yeah, I think most people's would. It's quite a weird story, but again, it's it's one of those ones that, like I was saying to you earlier, that obviously 2020 was the year that the Pentagon released this, there are UFOs, there are these things flying around, and, you know, we know. And it just seems like, I mean, I remember growing up, I even had a book, I'm showing you, it's about three three inches thick, massive book, and it was all about UFOs and unexplained things, and I was so into this alien thing, and if someone had told me in the 90s that aliens were real, and that UFOs really came to this planet, I would have been freaked out. Now, it just seems like they they told us, they've yeah. told us they're here, and people are just sort of like, yeah, oh well. Do you know what I mean? But you flash back 20, 30 years ago, that would have been front page in every single yeah, newspaper, yeah. been national but news. I think maybe it's just got to the point where people are like blasé to it all because yeah. there's so many films about it. There's so many, mm. do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, of course it's real. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's like, but it just seems weird because it's, you know... It seems weird that you wouldn't ask more questions. Yeah. yeah. Why why have we not pursued this? Why have we not... Why is this not front-page news every single day? Well, I mean... You know... I don't know. Do you I, really I care know. about Boris having a party at number 10? No. No, do you care if an alien lands on this planet? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know I mean? to me, I don't <laughs> go important. along with all this hippie shit. I know, like, Andy's... St- when you talk to Andy, he's still into this... Uh, they're here to save us and guardians nope. of the fucking galaxy and all this shit. But for me, I've never really thought that. I, it makes no sense because why wouldn't, the, why wouldn't they come and... Why wouldn't they talk to us? Yeah, so... And people say, well... And we might do this, you know, we might, we might talk about um, when certain presidents met aliens allegedly but um to me it's like it's never really it's never really jive very well because i always see it they don't need to yeah i always see it as an ant farm if you if you are a kid and you've got an ant farm do you talk to your ants no no we couldn't really we are far behind them in the sense of you know, technology and things like but that. But are, are we being, you know, are we being, um, you know, is there like a governor on us? Is there, mm. you know, is there something that's stopping us getting, you know, and again, Who knows? obviously we're on, on the, on the, we're waiting for the uh, false flag, aren't we? The Russian false flag so that they can uh, invade Ukraine and all that. But maybe this will be the first war if it is, if it comes to that, maybe it'll be the first war where we see these craft in, you know, our UFOs, so to speak, in in action. Because it seems to me like we're getting to a point now where zero energy kind of has to come about for the world to move forward, especially with the carbon shit and all that. And, it, mm. you know, again, you can go off on a tangent on the global warming issue. But um, Don't get me started. Yeah, but it seems to me like we're almost at a point where we need zero energy. Uh, or more or less, you know, um, energies that you know, don't use the fossil fuels, maybe. And 
obviously these craft there's a lot of these crafts you know there was a ring doorbell uh, most people are familiar with the the ring doorbell um, mm. and basically it's a I don't I'm presuming it's a doorbell with a camera yeah I'm supposed I would have thought it is American it company first, yeah. yeah but um there was a, there was a there was a one the other day where it filmed this um triangle craft flying flying across the sky I don't know if you saw it no it was in um somewhere down the south of England and this thing just flies across the night sky. Um, you can clearly see it's a huge, you know, shape. I mean, you imagine an helicopter flying past. You see that you know the size of an helicopter, mm. but this thing was maybe six, seven times as big as that. Um, and like it's just, the uh, Darth Vader's. It's just a triangle. Yeah. I mean, obviously, people call them the TR3B, and and they're meant to be actually built up here in Cumbria. Some of them, so. You know, these things are flying around. These are our technology. One crashed in the Brecon Beacons. Um, you know, it's well, it was well known sort of thing. But it was on a test run. It, it yeah. crashed in the Brecon Beacons, and people thought an aircraft, you know, an air, a conventional aircraft, had come down, and then they saw this red light coming from it, and obviously they thought it was on fire. Um, nurses and things like that, local area managed to get out there, with farmers and that, and. What they were surprised when they got there was actually this glowing thing was actually a ball of like, um, but they didn't know what it was. I mean, it was it was a it was a, a circular in shape, but it had no defined edges. It was glowing, and what had happened is this craft had crashed into one of the peaks there, and this it seemed like this craft had three balls. Uh, so in each in each corner of the triangle, it had a ball, and this this ball was, you know, used to levitate the craft, and obviously as it crashed one of these balls had rolled out down the hill. And that's what this glowing thing that they'd seen was. The craft was still on the hill. Um, interestingly, in that case, the, the, it was the Americans that turned up. Even though this is in Wales, uh, in the UK, it was the Americans that got there first. And the villagers uh, remember seeing, um, yeah, that's one, um, numerous amounts of American personnel. Which, again, is strange that this happens in Wales and Americans turn up. Um, again, I don't think it's been declassified, but I think a lot of people know about it. And there's a lot of civilians. We have got American army bases and things over here, though. Yeah, and obviously... And let's that, be honest, shit like that, they're on top of... It will probably be their technology rather yeah. than ours, yeah. They're so, well on top of shit like but we'll, that. Will the next war, if whichever war it is that's fought, will... And again, it's not going to be a war fought against, like, you know... Afghanistan or whatever. It's not. No, they're not going to use them for that. Serious war. They're going to use them, yeah, um, t- to be a game changer. And m- maybe we're getting to that point. I don't know. I fucking hope not. You know, and maybe the um, you know some people say ah, it's dis- disinformation. The the um, the military and you know, the Americans are saying that these things are aliens, so they can dis- disguise what they're doing. So people are now looking at all these things flying around, saying, "Oh, these are aliens." Oh, you know, we know they're coming. In. Could be. It could be, but. It's not like the Americans aren't known for keeping shit secret. Well, if you look, actually read the text of what happened there, I think it was more, um, basically, let's put all our cards on the table. So it was talking to, um, you know, in this case, it'd be talking to Russia, China. Um, you know, let's put our cards on the table. Let's We'll tell you what we've got, our capabilities, right? Mm. You tell us your capabilities. And then we know, if we see one of these things, and it's out of the range of known capabilities... On my side, we know it's yeah, them it's not, rather yeah. than because obviously you see things traveling at X amount of miles an hour, you've got nothing that matches that. Well, you're going to think missile, 
potentially. Yeah. And obviously that could cause conflict and, you know, someone sees the wrong thing at the wrong time. And so it was kind of, it was almost like it was always written in that sort of sense where it was like, you know, maybe we need to get on top of this between us all, you know, but obviously you don't want to tell your enemies what you've got. But if you tell them within a... They're not, I mean, the thing is, at this point, they probably weren't enemies. It just seems... But this always... is this this is 2021. Mm. Yeah, so, but... Yeah, you see, are we enemies, though, or do we just not really like each other? But, like, but I've got people at work I don't like, but I wouldn't it depends say they're you, It depends what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you could go into conspiracy after conspiracy after, um, mm. you know, the banking system, etc., etc. These, these entities don't want to align with this economic forum etc so i mean you haven't heard putin come out saying build back better have you great reset no it's not gonna happen is it you know no and the worst bit is is when you actually i mean i've watched his press conferences and things like that and the worst bit is i'm like yeah he's right yeah he's right yeah most of the time yeah most of the time and it's like and i'm thinking shit i agree with this guy but i'm sat on the wrong side of the fence here yeah but again you know you never know what to believe do you i mean as long as it stays out of this country. I mean, I've seen some strange shit. things that he's done, which I'm not comfortable with. And I've seen, and I know, yeah, they, you know, Russia's not, not no, and I see, I see the way, like you that, know, he, he manipulates the system so he can stay in power. Mm. So he's president for four years, whatever it is. Then he's prime minister for four years. Then he's president for four years. Then he's prime minister for four years. And that's yeah. how he stays in power. And um, he just basically has a, a guy who pretends to be, when so obviously when he's not president, the other guy is president, and he he's basically he doesn't do anything. He's just he's there a puppet, and that's how he stays in power. So it's not. But I mean, you might see this in America shortly. Mm. Um, something similar, a very similar system in operation. Do but, you really think Biden's going to make another four years? I don't think he's going to survive this four. Well, no, but maybe they'll put someone in, yeah, you know, as a puppet, and then well, maybe he's the puppet. He is the puppet now, and then they'll just keep rotating it for the next yeah. four years. Um, to me, it's getting to the point where I don't think we'll see elections anywhere. We need Boris out, I'll tell you that. But well, you get Boris out, who do you put in? But anyway, that's a discussion for another day. Anyway, so that was um, <laughs> obviously Disneyland. Yeah. The Musketeers, Mouseketeers. I think maybe we, we'll start calling our uh, patrons and that Musketeers I like that. The Musketeers, yeah. Mm, I'll like call that. it the Fellowship, but fuck the Fellowship. Well, let's have fucking Musketeers. So They're gonna... French, though, aren't they? Yeah. Do you sure you want to align with the French? Fuck the French, but no. <laughs> I think, um, yeah. Knights of the Round Table. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so there you go, two stories. Like I say, the next shows will be a little bit more in depth. Yeah. Um, Similar length, I would have thought, but more. Yeah, but one story. Long story, than, yeah. so, you know, again, I know people like that, so mm. got that coming. We are trying our best, obviously, sickness and in health and all that stuff. Um, mm. Work is obviously an issue. Um, so we, we try our best. We get them out when we can. Yeah. I mean, if you really like the podcast and you want to pay our monthly wage for us, then oh, we yeah, have, yeah, you could do that. We wouldn't yeah. have to yeah. work then. Get in fact, if you want to pay our wage, we'll come round to your house and. Yeah, we'll record on your living <laughs> room. Just, yeah. yeah. Um, um, Feed us grapes. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> we'll talk yeah. shits all day. Thing is, though, honestly, though, I could do this as a full-time job. Oh, yeah. Just find some stories. I could do seven episodes a week. But imagine, no the, imagine the time you could put into it as well. Mm. It's just, it would be it would be really good. Wouldn't it? Yeah. But, well, some podcasts are. Yeah. 
you know so that's another thing for you guys if you like it if you can't help just help us grow yeah you know the the more we grow the more chance you know things like that can happen you know mm. you look at joe rogan 11 million downloads per episode and yeah, we're yeah. nowhere near that yeah. but, but you know th- you know and i still get people asking i mean someone i was talking to someone every day and um on facebook there and they they were saying that um they didn't even know that we had another podcast so again because they were saying oh, like yeah. oh, they like these these shows they listen to this particular podcast but they they sometimes like the um, banter the banter the humor that we chuck into some of the episodes mm. and some episodes are funny the episodes, we're gonna do an episode on like another sort of famous last words thing aren't we and stuff yeah. like that which you might do on both so just shit like that. i know we've done one in the past i think it's on patreon so i might I might put that out for everyone to listen to. So I thought it was quite good, but um, yeah, they said they like the humor, and I was like, "Well, if you like the humor, get on to get on to absolute poppy cock. You know, it's not going to be every cup, everyone's cup of tea. It's quite raw and risque. Yes, um, it's, but again, it's just it's just literally just sitting back and shooting the breeze. It's just it's just it is what it is. So, um. If you want a laugh, and again, you know, I'm not guaranteeing that it's going to be funny, but it might be funny in places. And if you want to laugh and you want to listen to us a bit more, then please check out Absolute Poppycock. Um, and if I can, I'll link it in the uh, description of this episode so you can check it out. But yeah, yeah we we do that on the we do that on the side. Um, I think the last two episodes, we've done some good episodes, but the last two episodes were pretty mental, to be fair. So if you like, <laughs> yeah, if they you were. like that kind of stuff, it's there for you. And again, if you if you do go and listen to it and you enjoy it, then let us know. If you go and listen to it and you don't enjoy it, then don't bother letting us know. Yeah, because we um, don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll thank you for giving it a try, basically. So that being said, um, like I say, the, the next shows are a bit more in-depth, so stay tuned for that, folks, and yeah. uh, get in contact by all means, you know where we are. Supernaturalpod.gmail. If you want to do the email, get us on Facebook. Um, Absolute po- Poppycock is on TikTok as well. If you want to, if you want to do that, I think it's called Absolute Poppy because they won't let you put cock on there. So, oh yeah, CCP. But anyway, yeah, we'll yeah. see you on the other side. Absolutely. Well, they've gone. No, just for now. Wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back. Oh, 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 oh,